Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Are we on? Yes. Hey, what's up, Father Nathan? Father Michael, a lot more. What's up, people? We are back in the studio. It's a, a Christmas octave. It is the 29th of December. Feast of Thomas Beckett, nice. and uh, Olo's back in town. Yeah, Christmas visit, family. I have a new uh, vicar now in my parish, and so he lets me come home like the day after feasts. What a good man. The Byzantine Church, we tend to have like major feasts after other major feasts. We just kind of pile them on. I think because everybody lived in the same village, so it was kind of like, why not party for days? Yeah. Why celebrate Christmas one day when you can celebrate the full seven, but have like other major feast days in those seven, I know. So. Why did they do like Stephen and John on the same in the same week? We do. Oh, um, we do Stephen on the twenty sixth and John on the twenty seventh. Like... So, so this year we do we do the Mother of God the day after Christmas. So the snacks of the Mother of God. Stephen's the day after that. So Stephen's the day after yours. But then we also celebrate the mm-hmm. Sunday after Christmas is Joseph, David, and James. So this year we had all four on the same day. J D J Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, Joseph, David, and James all on the same day, which is a glorious feast day because my father-in-law, shout out to Stephen and Block. Stephen Block's Did married to Did you just say Steph- father-in-law? Sorry. My, I always say this. It's not true. My, my, my brother's father-in-law. I, I always say that. It was my brother's father-in-law. So my brother's father-in-law is Stephen Block. His wife is Stephanie Block. And then we celebrated on the Feast of St. Stephen, both their feast day, but he's a convert from Judaism. So the reading was about Paul's conversion from Judaism, mm-hmm. and he chanted the epistle on the Feast of St. Stephen, chanting the reading of Paul's conversion from Judaism. It was just this beautiful. My mom like started crying, because like, it clicked in her mind. We had a divine liturgy in my, in my mom's house, and they were there. Mm-hmm. So it like, clicked in her mind the beauty of, of like his conversion, his name, his wife's name, it all kind of... And that's why my chosen confirmation saint was Stephen. Nice. I wanted the manliest... I had the manliest, because I had Michael, but I wanted the second manliest saint... Which is Stephen, I think. Uh, okay, okay, <laughs> you know, like John the Baptist apparently is not very manly. Have you seen? Have you seen icons of him? Of Stephen? No, of John the Baptist. He doesn't look manly. I'm just kidding. He looks totally manly. He's in a pimped out camel hair coat. What did you go out to see? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine <laughs> garments. Exactly. He's impotent. You best look impotent. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, the octave uh, for us is, uh, I would say, diminished. We, I, I keep telling the people, like, how many of you are already taking down your Christmas decorations? Yeah. I went on a rant today. I said poop and barf in the same homily. Wow. Felt a little bad. But I was like, I was like, have you ever been to those people? Have you ever driven by those people's houses where it looks like Home Depot just barfed all over their yard? Which is like those big puffy like blow yep. up things you Inflatable know what i'm talking about yep. yeah it's like everywhere yeah and uh and i mean what are they trying to do they're trying to say they're trying to say like we are in the spirit yeah and i'm like i understand you are you you have a certain spirit but like do you have faith yeah because there was one person i drove by their house they have those little candelabras in their windows okay those always just look so classy. Yeah. Um, our neighbor, Mary Bell, used to have those, uh, where you just have like that little orange glow of the candles. Mm-hmm. 
it's just kind of saying like we're keeping vigil. Yeah, we're we're, we're celebrating. Um, but you know those those big time Home Depot things where it's like yeah. puff puff pastry snowman everywhere. It's like what is going on? So yeah, yeah. The uh, I I had a, a an inspiration this year. I thought that so you know obviously the Latin Church has the the Advent wreath with the four candles, four weeks leading up to Christmas. But Go on. Christmas for the Byzantines is the kickoff of the season of enlightenment. It's the season of revelation, the season of light. All these feasts used to be on January sixth. I'm sure I've said this before, but the Nativity and everything else used to be on January sixth. It was moved around based upon the kind of the whatever culture mm. you in. But all these were on January sixth. So um, the, all of the there were f- feasts of Revelation, wedding at Cana. Wise men, birth of Christ, baptism of Christ were all feasts of revelation. And now it was a season of light because it's dark in this season. So right. they celebrate revelation, they celebrate light. So I thought, so what we've done in the Byzantine churches, since we have six weeks of Advent instead of four, because we do 40 days, so a lot of the Byzantines will do a Latinization. We also, during Advent, have a bunch of feasts of Old Testament prophets. So they take a Star of David to symbolize the Old Testament prophets, and mm-hmm. they put six candles, and then they do six weeks of Advent instead. But I thought, wouldn't it be better and actually more helpful to the culture to actually do the candles after Christmas, light a new one every day of Christmas, so that you're actually saying in in the mind of children and the people lighting the candles, so you have like a seven or an eight or a 12 branch candle stand and you light one every day. So at least children and then adults too understand we're as every day we light a candle because there are this many days of Christmas. We have seven days of Christmas at the Byzantine Church until the until circumcision January first and then that ends technically ends the Christmas season. So there's there's eight days including that one. But um you better but, soak it up man. You only got two days left. I know. I know. So like but like wouldn't it wouldn't it make sense to actually emphasize the beauty of the ongoing season by lighting candles after Christmas instead of only before. Like, I love the Advent wreath. I grew up with it. It's a, a deep, deep part of my, my, my life, and I remember the culture, but wouldn't it be cool to add something afterwards as well, just to remember that you're still on Christmas? Paraliturgies, you can do it. Paraliturgies? Yeah, like outside the liturgy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. could, you could do that in your home. Yeah. So, like, in the Byzantine church, does the song go, like, on the eighth day of Christmas, <laughs> my Byzantine wife said to me, start fasting. All right. Uh, wow. Um, all right. Here we go. We have uh, we have an interesting topic today. Uh, we haven't we haven't done one of these in a while, but we had a we had a podcast listener write in and request a topic that we're actually going to do. And I have no idea what this normally, is. Normally, normally we like we're like, oh yeah, great suggestion. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but it's normally like requiring a lot of research, and oh, yeah. it's usually controversial and. Um, I don't know. It's like, I'll get around to it. They're like, when are you going to do the Crusades podcast? It's like, I don't know. Can you do a talk? Can you do a podcast on boyfriends who emotionally cheat on their girlfriends on the Thursday after their birthday and forget their birthday? It's like very specific. True. Yeah. <laughs> like, we want you to speak to exactly what what's going on, on in my that? life. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, so we're going to do this one, and actually I think it works out well because uh, I usually do this kind of podcast with you anyways, because okay. uh, Father John doesn't really have a facility with this. Okay. So let's go to the letter. I'm kind of intimidated now. Uh, August 2019. Okay. That was a while ago. Yeah. Mix CDs are back. Enclosed, you will find a thoughtfully burned CD of Christian songs and artists I really enjoy. 
I'm a recent convert and entered the church this Easter, so that was a year and a half ago. My relationship with Christ, with God, has deepened in unexpected ways through adoration, communion, and daily readings. One change I'm still adjusting to is the difference in musical worship. I, I get a lot of peace and encouragement from contemporary worship, which you'll hear on the CD, and worshiping with others. So my question for you is, colon, what role has Christian or even non-Christian music played in your spiritual development? Again, what role has Christian or even non-Christian music played in your spiritual development? I hear you guys talk about music on the podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on different artists. If you've already covered this topic in a prior podcast, feel free to ditch this letter and just enjoy the CD. Raquel Rodriguez, Dallas, Texas. Thank you, Raquel. Oh, cool. Um, So, um, the question is, what role has Christian or even non-Christian music played in your spiritual development? So, first first question, what was the first tape you ever purchased? The first tape I ever purchased was... Ooh, the tape. That would be Dave Matthews. Under, tape? Under, under the Tale of Dreaming. Seriously? Yeah. And then, I, but then my first CD was... No, we're going to get to okay, that. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yes, Dave Matthews, Under the Tale of Dreaming. You know what my first tape was? Um, you're younger than me, so... True, but it is an older song. Uh, you would never guess it. Okay. Uh, I bought a single okay. uh, for $1.99... From Columbia House, okay, or it was was it BMG Music or something like that? There was one. We a don't place mention in the, that name a, on this podcast. A place in the yeah, it's true. <laughs> a place in the mall, um, uh, and I bought a single of Regulators by Warren oh, G and Nate Dogg. Okay, because I thought that the whistle in it sounded really cool. <laughs> and then my dad came into my room and he said, um, "What are you listening to?" And I was like, "I'm listening to my new tape." And he listened for a little bit and he goes, "You're taking it back." So then I took it back. He explained a little bit more about why I was taking mm-hmm. it back. And back in the day, you used to be able to rip, you know, like mm-hmm. blank, blank tapes, you know, yeah, you could the just, radio. You know. so he was like, uh, so why are you, uh, why are you returning this? The manager was like really snippy with me. Oh. And I go, because my dad says the lyrics are from the devil. <laughs> and he goes, okay, like, uh, that's probably true. So that was the first tape I ever got. Um, and then took back. Uh, I don't remember anyone's after that, um, mm-hmm. but um, that was my first tape. Okay. First CD? Collective Soul. Collective Soul. Do you know yeah. which album? The blue one. Light blue cover. I don't remember the name. No clue. No clue. No clue. Mine? Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic. Ah. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic. That's uh, very Goebel. <laughs> it was very Goebel. Yeah. It was the one that had... Uh, uh, Shoot, it had him like in like a neon green, like uh, I, don't, I can't remember. Shoot, uh, Gangster's Paradise. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, Am- Amish Paradise. Is that Coolio, right? Yep. That was, yeah. Yep, that was the one. Nice. Yep, it had that one on it. It had um, uh, My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder. Okay. Um, and uh, I was walking through my uh, parish kitchen the other day. And we have a we have a cook that has some crazy taste in music, and she was listening to Weird Al Yankovic's Santa song, that was like um, uh, the night Santa went crazy. Okay. And I knew still knew the words. I wow. hadn't listened to that since I was in like sixth grade. Now let me ask you this: is there is there a vanilla? Is the is did Weird Al ever do a 
an Ice Ice Baby parody from Vanilla Ice. He do, had to because my brother, we used to we used to crawl when we were kids. We used to crawl through the drainage ditches in Albuquerque, and whenever my brother got nervous because like we'd hear weird sounds or not be able to see anything, or think the cops are coming to get us, he'd always start singing Rice Rice Gravy. Rice, rice, and I was like, I always wonder if that was vanilla. If that was well, weird. Well, he would do this thing where it was like, it was like uh, he would mix all these songs together okay. into a into a polka. Ah. He'd be like, and then it was like, ice, ice, baby, ice, ice, baby. We're to your mother, ice, ice, baby, ice, ice, baby, forever. I'll be your eyes. <laughs> Anyways, he had this whole thing. That's how I knew a lot of those songs. Oh, you got the lyrics from him. Exactly. Yeah. Like I had no I had, I didn't listen to any of those <laughs> other things. That's really funny. So, who would you say were the most formative artists of your like pre pre-college years? So, for sure, Dave Matthews Band and for sure Offspring. So Offspring oh, was wow. my, was my best friend's favorite band, and mine was Dave Matthews. So we would we'd buy our CDs and listen to them over and over, and like alternate Dave Matthews Offspring, Dave Matthews Offspring. That's just how it was. Um, so those two. I also had this sounds really weird. I bought when I was probably ten a hammered dulcimer CD at like the state fair, and the hammered dulcimer like this this is like instrument that I thought was the most beautiful thing in the world. I listened to that over and over again. Star Wars soundtrack for sure. Sure. Like, yeah. I like like ad nauseum I listened to that. And mm-hmm. then I was the oldest of my family. So it was all my dad's mamas and papas, Fleetwood Mac, I mean Beatles, Linda Ronstadt. Those were all the those were all so when I chose my own music, it was yeah, Dave Matthews, a lot of offspring, Hammer Dulcimer for some reason. Hammer Dulcimer. Star Wars. I'm trying to think of anybody else. Um, I, I love No Doubt back in their ska days, like their sure. first CD. Yeah. Oh, um, I loved you too. Um, Joshua Tree, which I've now hung out at since I live in LA. I've now gone out to Joshua Tree and listened to the CD. Wow. I drove through Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. That's, is, that's, is that, all, that's all I can think of. That kind of a California thing? It is. Okay. Joshua Tree is where you go to get out of the city. You go to the Joshua Tree and you get stoned out of your mind and oh. you rent an Airbnb somewhere. I didn't do that, obviously, but but that's that's kind of what Angelinos do. Supposedly, you you, get, you go to the desert. They call it quote the desert. There's Joshua Tree. And you go out and rent an Airbnb, or back in the day, I don't know, you pitch a tent or something like that, and hmm. you just enjoy the desert to get out of the city. Hmm. Yeah, um, our our we had a very small selection, I would say. Um, and uh, the first CD8, like I said, I ever bought was uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Mm. Um, and then uh, I had another Weird Al Yankovic, like Smells Like Nirvana. Um, I had that tape um, that I I think I took from the library, burned it. Okay. Oops. <laughs> um, you ever confessed this, girl? I don't know if I ever confessed <laughs> that. I don't know. Um and then my brother, my brother honestly was the first source of my music, mm-hmm. uh, but he he got and I've ripped on him about this, but it's so perfect. Like he had like Melissa Etheridge and Natalie Merchant and whatever, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. But then, uh, so he was probably a freshman or whatever. And I was a sixth grader, and he got Bone Thugs and Harmony, nice. and then that was whenever it was like, here we go. Yeah, like that was when I started started listening, and then eventually like became 
friends with a kid named Caleb that had uh, uh, 12s in the back and 8s in the door. Big old subwoofer. Uh, and uh, we would just run around all over listening to uh, Master P and, and uh, Bone Thugs and TQ, Tupac. Anyways, so this is all pre-conversion, right. okay? So you're, you're asking about musical influences, but, like, what was your musical influence at church at that time? Like, what was your relationship to music at the church? You know, we, the Roman Catholic Church we went to when I was young had a, had a great choir director. He played the organ. It was amazing. Um, but honestly, I don't remember a lot of, like, focusing on the words except in the Christmas season. Yes, like, I would have to say Christmas carols were, were the were the songs that I heard, listened to the words, was actually inspired by them, kind of used them in any sort of prayer. And uh, but because the other hymns were beautiful, and my mom was in the choir, so I sat right behind the choir. Um, but yeah, it was Christmas carols. I think more than anything else, really in church. Other than that, you don't remember a lot of the hymns that you used to sing. I'm I'm sure if if somebody started playing one, I could sing it, but I don't remember like off the top of my head now. So the 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 rule is was it was it a man that was your choir director? Yeah. Yeah. So ours was Mike Fogarty. Shout okay. out. He was amazing, hmm. and uh, he got me singing at a young age, because um, it was cool to sing because Mike Fogarty was singing, mm. and uh, he had a he has a great voice, um, and um, so we had the glory and praise hymnal. Okay. Uh, which was like you know. Oh Lord, you are the center of my life, and um, though the mountains may fall and the hills turn into dust, so honestly, like a lot of those hymns, I can still remember the words. And every now and again, like not just on the podcast, whenever I sing it, kind of flippantly, right. but like they will come, they will come to me whether I'm preaching or I'm um, or I'm like giving confession, like uh, just mm. like different different psalms that you didn't think you remembered, but. You know, they were set to melodies. Yeah. Um, but then did you ever have the experience of going to the Protestant church or like youth camp or, you know, whatever we used to call it edge, okay. which is like the youth group where yeah. they would actually have praise and worship. And then it was like, oh my gosh, you can actually do this in church. You know, very rarely, but I do remember one experience of being young and there was that one song, let the, oh man, You'll know it. It's it's a like seventies. Let the fire. Let fall? the music. No, no. It's a it's a classic rock song. Let let the music take your soul. Oh, something. Let the music. Something boys. Let the music take your yeah, boys. Soul. Oh man, I'm I'm spacing right now. Anyway, it's a classic rock song. Let's hear it for the boys. No. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> no, it was like something about. I don't know, gather around boys, let the, let the music take your soul or let, let the music move your soul or something like that. Anyway, uh-huh. the, the, the theme was, I'll think of it in a moment, but um, the theme was like lose yourself in the music, in the mo- no, no, it wasn't Eminem. It was, it was like lose yourself in the music, like let it, let it saturate you, like, like let, it, let the music be an escape. And even at that time, I thought, you know, that's probably dangerous because mm. I already had like the whole rock rockers worship Satan. Like I, sure. I, 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 I had heard that, that rhetoric, but, 
But so I thought the first time I heard really attractive music in church, it was the first time I, I let my guard down. Like praise and worship music, yeah. I could let my guard, because like, even listen to the pop music or, or rock music, I was like, there could be something here I don't know, or the, I don't really agree with the lyrics, but I remember something like that. It was a youth group event or something where I could say, I like this music, and I can actually like lose myself in it. And and really just close my eyes, let my guard down, yeah. let it become prayer because I'm not worried about what's in the lyrics. I'm not worried about what's behind it. Yeah. The first time, I mean, I, I was blessed in that my parents were involved in uh, Koinia De Caloris uh, back in the day. And so we would go to these reunions uh, as kids. And, um, and it was always impressive to see a number of people singing uh, loudly and not just like, off key, but like they were allowing themselves the freedom yeah. to worship with full voice. Um, and so, one of my earliest memories is actually um, is actually being being at one of those and feeling like, wow, this is really profound. Hmm. Like I'm I'm encountering something different. Um, but then, whenever I became uh, probably a eighth eighth grade through sophomore year, I started going. Uh, was that that long? Uh, probably seventh grade through freshman year. Uh, I started going to Edge, uh, which was like the uh, Glad Tidings. They were the Protestant church in town, super great music. Um, and they had a great youth pastor, Pastor Brian. And uh, they would sing songs like, you know, Our God is an Awesome God. And um, gosh, I can't even remember what some of the other ones were. Uh, but I remember like seeing the words on the screen. Um, and being the only kid like that was like looking at the words because everybody um, else like had their eyes closed and they were just they were just jamming to the music, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, the first like real Christian band that I got into uh, was Jars of Clay. Yeah, okay. Jars of Clay for me like that was the sound of uh, probably sophomore year through freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, because like that CD flood, mm-hmm. um, that there were some there were some words in that that I would just continually I would mm-hmm. put that thing on repeat. I had a discman, mm-hmm. and I would just put it on repeat and just keep listening to the track because it was like that's exactly the emotion, that's exactly mm-hmm. the the word that I want to be able to like express at yeah. this at this very time. They have this song called Liquid, um, and uh, gosh. Uh, I wish I could remember uh, what it was in it, um, but um, and then um, "Faith Like a Child" on that album, mm-hmm. um, obviously "Flood," you know that's a a famous one. Um, but I remember driving back and forth uh, to uh, see some friends uh, who lived about an hour and a half south of me. So Carla, Andrea, and Terry, um, and Tammy. Uh, all lived in uh, Tutopolis, Sigal, uh, Nioga, all these. Is it Nioga? Anyways, um, and we would, I would just listen to that all the way down, and it was like feeding my soul. There was, it was, it was interesting because I, I think Jars of Clay for me was, um, Jars of Clay for me was maybe sophomore year of college, junior year of college, when I went to Steubenville, and my friends would play it in the car. And it was it was kind of the same thing. It was just really good. It annoyed me though. I think Flood had a drum machine, and since I liked the drums, it was like 
they, I think the later they had a real drum set, but it, the, the the drum machine annoyed me. But there was something about that CD and the passion in it and the yeah. the feeling in it. And I think there's there's something different though. When I when I when I get moved now in the Divine Liturgy, it's it's a different kind of being moved because like that feeling I got from from kind of emotionally. Um, attractive music that also I could trust. There, there was a sense of kind of, um, like I said, losing myself in it. Um, there was a sense of like abandoning myself and like not worrying about that I was letting in something I shouldn't be letting in. Um, and I, I get that feeling now in the liturgy, just when I sing very simple things like Alleluia. Like I'll, I'll actually find myself like during Lord Have Mercies, we do like 40 Lord Have Mercies, or just the Alleluia before the gospel. I'll find myself like kind of getting caught up in the in the escape of it, in the the emotion of it. But there, there's something, there's a different feeling when you have a really, really theologically deep song. Yes. Because then it, it's a challenge. And it's, I, I love, like all those other songs were so, they were, they were beautiful and you, you, they were an escape and they were, they were helped in kind of abandonment prayer. But there's something I've appreciated even more now about prayer that is very theologically deep that I can actually like learn something while I'm singing it. And the singing helps me memorize it. And then once I've memorized, I can actually focus on it better because I can close my eyes and like actually let it challenge the way I think. And then there's this engagement with God that is not just an engagement of like passive uh, receptive abandonment, but rather active like engagement with something theologically deep, but it's in the form of music. So it's still very attractive and it, it kind of moves the emotions in that same way while at the same time being a challenge. And I think a deeper engagement than I experienced when I was young, when I was more attracted to the the stuff that was mere escape. I still like both those things, mm-hmm. but now I'm more attracted to the the engaging, challenging stuff. And I would say like for me, the the songs that have stayed in my memory and have afforded me a deeper... Um, a deeper openness to the experience of God have always been scripturally based and not just like scripturally inspired, yeah, but right. like yep. they're actually singing scripture. Yep. Um, like the Psalms. There's so many good, yes, good praise and worship song, songs that are just the Psalms. Yeah. Third day was that for me. Like mm. they were able to, to captivate some of that. Um, and I would say as a Catholic, like, uh, I did have to adjust to the ability to sing with abandonment. Okay. Um, and, and even to allow myself to adopt, like, even a, a physical posture in the course of the, the songs, where you actually, like, open up your hands yeah. or, like, lift them up, um, or uh, you, you, like, actually bow down. Mm-hmm. Um, like to allow my to allow my body to adopt the the spirit of that song, um, I I think I think it's really, um, I think it takes time for a Catholic. Um, we've been led through kind of liturgical praise, uh, but not necessarily expressive praise, and that's one thing that we really have found a lot of life in in the in the Companions of Christ, mm-hmm. inspired by the. St. Paul companions, when we're able to do it, um, I feel bad because I don't play the guitar, and if it was expressive praise, it'd be pretty sad because it would not be, <laughs> you know, any any background music, yeah. you know, going on behind it. But um, but I would say like there was a maturity in my in my spiritual growth, and it also went along with a maturity in my in my 
appreciation of certain um, musical styles. Hmm. And then after, once I got to college and I, you know, really only knew like Third Day and um, Jars of Clay and I'm trying to think, like who else? Who did the Jesus Freak? They were they were big for a while. Oh, DC Talk. DC Talk. I didn't like them. No, I think that's the only song I ever heard. I wasn't a big fan of that either. When my best friend that's was. A, so. It's it's good. I mean, that's a good one. But like, my little brother had that album, and I, I didn't find anything else on there that I really liked. Um, but then I went to college, and I had this roommate. Shout out, Father Robert Kruger, uh, Bobby Kruger, and uh, he put on Rachmaninoff Vespers. Oh. Nice. Rachmaninoff Vespers by King, I think it's King's College. Okay. Uh, you can find it on uh, YouTube or, uh, you know, you can buy it on iTunes. Mm. When I heard, when I heard that, mm. um, I had never, never encountered anything wow. like that nice. in my life. Never. Yeah. And it was like a drug. Mm. I immediately got that CD um, and then... Uh, that was what I listened to when I studied. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't just like, it wasn't just like I needed background noise. I think it actually prevented me from going off the cliff of deeper unchastity Hmm. in that time of my life, because I realized that what they're singing about is not like the love of most of the stuff that I was listening to. Right, but it was they were they were singing and chanting about something that was so mystical and so beyond hmm. that it was what I actually desired hmm. is what my heart longed for, and um, if anybody has like an English translation of what they're singing about, it's probably on the CD uh, notes or whatever. But like, well, if it's Vespers, I could tell you it's just Byzantine Vespers. Really, Psalm one hundred four. I thought it was Russian. Russian is Byzantine though. No way. So Rachmaninoff is going to be doing Byzantine Vespers, so it's going to be... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, probably the Litany of Peace. You got Psalm 104. You get Psalm... Then it goes like one Psalm 148, one Psalm 49, one Psalm 50. Then you got the... Oh, joyful light this is, the Holy I think this glory. is the song. This is the song that I would... I think this... Is it this one? Oh, no, it's this one. <laughs> Do you know what this is? It's gonna be a different melody than I'm used to. The Russians have different melodies than the Ruthenians, but Blazhen Mu B L A Z H E N. Anyways, I'm gonna look it up later. I, I don't want to say anything. Beatusvir, blessed the man. Hmm. Oh, so that's that's the psalm, Psalm one. Blessed oh, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Alleluia. That's our version. Mm. That's Psalm 1. Yeah. It's called the first cathisma, but it's just Psalm 1. Wow. I was yeah. captivated by Psalm 1. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome because I know Psalm 1. Yeah. Okay. But that's, that, was the, that was the maturity. And I would say like along with, along with the development in the spiritual life, not just like that I moved past that. Like mm. I actually needed to go through those progressive stages and i still go back to those to those songs with with joy but there is a way in which it's like i i think that i've i've been blessed that i have tasted 
refined things. Mm. And that has prompted me deeper in the in the tradition of the church mm. that's that's longer than just like nineteen twenties yeah. or eighteen whatever. Yeah. So there's a the the two things that I have found like transport me and I would say like it's in a in a way that's actually transcendent just based upon my God given temperament or personality is when I hear like Arab music, mm. like the Arab melodies, the yes. minor tones. Oh my gosh! Like it, it, it brings you to a different place, and and it brings you to a place where God is. And I think that's because I've been to Jerusalem, and and it, it just feels this is where you know this is where Jesus grew up. And I think maybe just my experience of kind of this this romanticized Arabia, you know, the, this this romantic, but the the Arab the Arab melodies. So like the things the Melkites do. Is just amazing to me. I could sit and listen all day. And the other thing is just is just Gregorian chant. There's something so right. transcendent about. It. I could sit there and just listen to that, and just say, "This is I'm content right now. This is all I need." And I'm I'm not only content, but I'm like I'm transported. But I just started listening to this thing called um, uh, Air, Acid Arab. It's it's this like it's like Arab like ancient Arab music. This sounds so corny, but it's ancient Arab music, and then even modern Arab music um, that is uh, that is set to like hip-hop beats and it's like like acid music but it's like this air like i could i love that stuff like it gets it gets me hyped up it transports me there's this great i'm gonna look it up while i'm there's these these three sisters they're they're they live they live in uh in israel but they're from yemen and so they bring these i found it on tiny desk have you guys ever listened to tiny desk oh, yeah. oh my gosh i love tiny desk concerts and um so they were on tiny desk and i discovered them there and they, uh, but it's it's this. Uh, I obviously can't play it, or we'll get in trouble. Um, but but it's this. Uh, I'm going to look up their name real quick. But it's this. It's it's like traditional Yemeni music in the Yemeni language. But it's it's set to like just a really kind of attractive beat. And I'm going to find the names just so I can give them a shout out. Um, Awa A dash W A. Hmm. These three sisters, and it's it's really it's really well done. But it's called Acid Arab in this this song, and there's a couple of them by them that's that's really really. I think Acid Arab is actually the remix of one of their songs. But anyway, but that that's another thing that I could just sit back and listen to and be like, there's something there's something deeper here. There's almost a transcendence to it. And I think it's just because I like that style. Um, that's what good art does, right? Good art is transcendent. It, it teaches you something. It, it 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 allows you an experience you wouldn't have otherwise. And any good art does that. It's just. What what we're able to recognize, like I love like Bach, his his cello solos, like oh my gosh, that if I had to pick one one CD to bring to a desert island, it'd be just Bach's cello solos, like not totally unaccompanied, just cello Bach. Hmm. It's incredible to me. Yeah. So I guess the question is like the what is it about music that aids us in our spiritual development? Is it the words? Is it the melody? Is it the... I don't know. Is it the emotion that it's eliciting from us? I think every, every one of our senses has an order to it. Like, and, and, when, and that's what beauty is, right? Beauty is order. So we, when we, we have the sense of sight, we, we see things that are properly ordered, like a, like a pretty girl, right? There, there's something like that. That's beauty. And, and it, it engages us in a way that... that um, that 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 transcends like this is different. This is other. This is this cannot be created by mere science or happenstance. There's something of the divine in this. 
Um, you know, uh, and then the same thing is for music for for the sense of of hearing. And I think every sense has that order that is created to perceive and to receive order in a certain way that 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 allows it to experience something of the divine and the transcendent within the created world. So I imagine that's what that's what music is, because of course music's mathematical. And so there's a structure and order to yep. it. And so when 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 you have you have subjectively beautiful music that we all like different things, but then you have objectively beautiful music that is just properly ordered that any any healthy ear would say this this participates in true beauty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and when we went to did you go with us to St. Matthew's Passion? Yes. Um, yes. when we heard that, there were certain melodies in there that mm-hmm. it was like, oh, that's O Sacred Head surrounded. Mm. Like, yeah. because um, it's so perfectly conducive to mournfulness yeah. that you just say, yeah, like, I'm, I'm transported mm-hmm. to, the, to the passion in that, <clears throat> in that place. Um, I think music is really important. I think Augustine was wary of music uh, because mm-hmm. of the impact that it could have emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but done correctly and done rightly, I think it really can aid persons. The hard part is, I think some people, they are attracted to the subjective quality of music, like the preference, um, but I don't know if they, if they actually are looking to see what the music is pointing mm, towards. Right. yep. So the example that I would give is I used to listen to a lot of corn mm-hmm. um, and ICP. Okay, wow. Those were really bad days in my life. Okay. Um, and that was because I had a friend uh, who, that was the CDs that he had, and we, we listened to him in his car. I would leave his house and always be really de- mm-hmm. depressed mm-hmm. and angry mm-hmm. and sad. Um, and we could be like hanging out, playing video games, um, eating, you know, seven-year-old Dunkaroos. Mm. This guy... <laughs> this is very specific. <laughs> very specific. He would sleep in until 10.45, and I would always wake up at nine at his house. And, like, everyone was sleeping. Okay. So, like, there was nothing to eat. So then one time I, like, rummaged through his cabinets, and I found this old box of Dunkaroos. <laughs> and I was like, sweet. And I went to go do the Dunkaroo. <laughs> and, like, the frosting had hardened. <laughs> Like they were, and I looked on the box, and they were over seven years old, Dunkaroos. But I would leave this guy's house, and I was so disappointed. Like I I was was. so looking for these Dunkaroos. Yeah, like it was the only thing I could find. And uh, anyway, so uh, we would we would play, we would have fun, we would play games, and then we would we would listen to that music, and I was always so sad and angry. And it's like, what was it pointing towards? What is the music that you are listening to pointing towards in your life? And even if it's pointing towards something of God, like, is there a way to kind of raise the uh, angle so that it's going a little more um, in a direction that maybe you're not ready for or comfortable with? Um, Because I I would just say, like, the music is leading to somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes people only will listen to Caleb, and then they find themselves depressed. Because it's like, I, I don't feel that. And it's like, yeah. but are you comfortable feeling sorrow yeah. or pain? Hmm. Um, that, that song actually was, 
it was liquid on that album. Liquid was good, but it was worlds apart. Mm. Um, and that was it was just a very sad song. Mm. But it was like uh, it was saying that like our my life is so separated from you, God. Like I don't want to live worlds apart. Mm. Like I actually want like there to be like a, a conjoining. Um, and uh, and so I, I I strongly encourage music. I love music. Um, I like all kinds of music. Like Father uh, Chris and I for uh, for Christmas this year, we turned on a little Alabama and we're listening mm. to Thistle Hair, the Christmas Bear. <laughs> Do you know this song? No. So random. Uh, this layout of the Christmas bear from Alabama. And, um, and uh, yeah, like, I mean, music can transport us to a lot of different places, but I think sometimes the words and the music fail to convey what our heart actually wants to sing. Yeah. And that's where I think it's actually important to keep silence hmm. um, so that, you can be led into deeper experiences of of the Lord that perhaps you relied upon music to transport you there. Yeah, I had a, a two two friends of mine in L.A. and uh, one of them dated a guy for ten years. I think I might have, might have brought this up on this podcast before because it was so heart wrenching. But she dated a guy for ten years and then they they broke up, but they remained friends. And he he committed suicide. I think in. April or May, right at the beginning of COVID, mm. and um, and neither of them are, are really particularly religious in any way. Um, but they they came into my church, and we were just kind of having a meetup. It had been too long since we had hung out, and I said, you know, let's just go pray a panahita, you know, for your for your ex boyfriend. A panahita is a Byzantine prayer for the dead, mm-hmm. and we went in there, and they were like, well, you know, we we've had mon- months to process this, and we're kind of, you know, we've I think we've done all the processing we can. I said, well, if you don't mind, you know. I'd like to just pray for his soul. And they said, okay. So we went to the church and prayed this panahita. And, and like all three of us just wept through the whole thing. Mm. And I was like, there's something about the music of a panahita. Like, I didn't even know this guy. I never met the guy. And yeah. and like, I cried through the whole thing just because I loved them. And like, because I loved them, like, but just like praying for someone that was so dear to them. Because it was like, she he dated one of them and then he was kind of best friends with the other one. And I thought they, 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 they've never experienced Byzantine prayer in their whole life, but there was something about the minor tones and just the, the soulful mournful melody that, yeah. that moved that, that moved me and it moved them because they didn't mourn him. It moved me because I didn't, even though I didn't know him, it was just like, that's what the music does. But I, I totally get that go, but like, like there's something about silence, just like our Byzantine iconography. Jesus is supposed to look like unemotional. He's supposed to look passionless. And people say, oh, he looks angry or he looks sad. No, he looks, he's supposed to look nothing. He's supposed to be all things to all people. So if he looks too sad, then you're like, you know, well, he looks so sad. If he looks too happy, well, he looks too happy. But if he just looks stoic, then there's a certain passionlessness to the iconography. And mm-hmm. that turns some people off, but other people, you know, enjoy, really like it because they can kind of see him as, as understanding them. But there's something even more beautiful because music does manipulate. It's kind of meant to do that. It's, it's meant to to encourage emotions or thoughts or transporting a certain way. But so if you always listen to music while you work or while you drive or while you pray, you know, try try silence and and don't let don't let an external stimuli, you know, force you to think or move your emotions or heart or head in a certain yeah. direction. And don't determine certain um, mystical or liturgical experience based solely on the music. Yeah. People walk out of Mass and they're like, music was good today. Mm. You know, preaching was good today. It's like, but what did you do? Yeah. 
Yeah. Where were you transported in your prayer? Where did you go? Yeah. So, anywho, um, I think it was a great question. I like hearing stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, you have reminded me of two things that I need to confess now. Uh-oh. What was the first one? Ripping uh, the <laughs> smells like Nirvana Yankovic uh, thing, and uh, probably listen and definitely listening to ICP. Oh my gosh, that was just bad. Well, you so, heard. I think it was the bass player from Corn converted to Christianity. Nice. Yeah. That he and he, and he thought for a while he could like stay in the band, and and still be Christian. And he decided he couldn't, so he left. Wow. Yeah. Um, I do have a uh, I do have a playlist called Leif's Gospel Cruise. I used to roll around with this guy Leif Taboni. Okay. Uh, the most eligible bachelor in uh, Chicago right now. Um, ladies, get on board. Uh, he's a he's a huge worship fan, and we used to roll around in his Saab convertible listening to this. So I'm going to make three recommendations of songs. Okay. Restoration by the Winans, um, Donnie McClurkin's Creating Me a Clean Heart, and we're going to do Riverside by Kirk Franklin and the Family. Mm-hmm. I love Kirk Franklin. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So those are, you know, and then you can check out the, the Gregorian Chan stuff, but like, though, that's like when I want to like feel soulful praise, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. I think, I think I need the, I need the non-words. So, the Arab music. So the Arab, the Arab, the Arab melodies, but then also, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, I just love Bach, but Rachmaninoff is very good too. But he's, I Rachmaninoff is, I really like him, but it's, it doesn't sound Russian enough for me. Like it sounds too Western to me. It, it sounds too typical. Like he's taking Western melodies and applying them to our Byzantine words, and I just that that doesn't, it's, it doesn't bring me to the same place. I think, I, just, I think I like, I like the exotic more, and that's probably hence the, uh, hence the love of Arab melodies. So I guess I don't have the same recommendations. I can't really point to three things, but anyway. That's all right. All right. Well, check it out. Uh, I think we've, we've, we've done justice to her, to her question. Yeah. So we got a few shout-outs, some Christmas shout-outs. I want to give one. This is long overdue, um, but I do need to give a shout-out to the Carlton family from Lewiston, Iowa. Uh, they found my fly box on the river. I had left it on the shore. I think actually I slipped and fell, and it fell out of my vest uh, pocket, um, and um, they found it on the shore, and uh, Bob Carlton called me, um, and his wife, uh, Linda, mailed it to me. Um, So to the Carlton family from Lewiston, Idaho, they apparently ran into some podcast listeners on the river (laughs) who did not know that I was fishing on that river, and I find it hard to believe that... They actually were podcast listeners, but if you ran into somebody uh, in uh, the Clearwater of Idaho um, and asked about a fly box and didn't realize I was there, that was actually me, <laughs> and uh, I very much appreciate it. That guy, I mean, because I had written my name in the fly box, and I was like, oh, I'll never need this. You know, like, it, I mean, you're either going to lose it in the river or you're going to take it with you, right. but I never thought that I would actually fall out, and then... They got it back to me within probably like a week and a half. Wow. It was amazing. Um, so great family. Uh, his family's Catholic. I offered mass for him. Uh, so Bob's not Catholic, uh, but he married Catholic. So uh, to Linda and Bob and their children, uh, I guess his son found it. So um, shout out. 
That's awesome. So um, I have a shout out to, uh, I don't know if he listens anymore, but Father Matthew Wheeler of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Um, so what happened was, is I'm, I'm in this new thing called Evangelize LA. I think it was Mike Wheeler. No, Matthew Wheeler. Oh, Matthew Wheeler. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. What did I say? Did I say Matthew? You said it. Okay. Yeah. yeah so Father Matthew Wheeler. Um, anyway, so he, this guy named Chris Plants is, uh, is in LA. He, I, he met him. He was a, he's a Catholic stuff listener. So shout out to Chris. Um, he came to my parish and then, um, he got me involved in this thing called Evangelize LA. So if you look up evangelizela.com or look up Evangelize LA on, on YouTube. And so anyway, we're doing this thing along with, um, Father Tim Grumbach, Chris and Father and Matthew, Father Matthew Wheeler. We did, anyway, we did one episode of this where we're kind of just trying to do YouTube videos and blogs and things like that to Evangelize LA. Body art. Any, anything that will do that. Oh, we might, we might move into some body art, Father Nathan, if you'll come out and be our model. Whatever. Please <laughs> give your shout out. <laughs> Anyway, um, so we were giving, we were talking about um, human formation in seminary. We were talking about human virtue, and then how for the priest, uh, the 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 successes, the measured successes of a priest are always in what Jesus does, not what the priest does. So a priest has to build the human virtues, but then be humble enough to say these human virtues find their success in things that are impossible. So and that was Jesus takes these and makes them something transcendent that the human beings could not do alone. Consecration of the Eucharist, confession of sins, etc. Um, so as an example of this, I said, so I, I've been doing podcasts for a few years. I didn't know that any of them listened except Chris. I've been doing podcasts for a few years and and uh, and so what what I found is that we have this we have banter and then we have content and a lot there's this big discussion over whether the banter is good or not. But I said that but the banter is kind of like the human virtues. The banter is like the human formation. Sometimes you you reveal the human through the banter and then that'll actually get people to trust you. It's like you know you have to earn the right to be heard. So yes. the banter, the human part, yes. can then lead to the the experience of the content and like actually listening to the content because you you think you know the person you do know the person. So anyway, I said this and Father Matthew Wheeler. Father Tim Grumbach says, "Yeah, I used to listen. I hate the con- I hate the banter." And then, and then, and then, Father Matthew Wheeler says, "I used to too, but you've actually kind of opened up a new reality of how banter Whoa. can be helpful to get people to listen to and actually respect the content you're giving." So, Father Father Tim Grumbach did not say that he also had his mind changed by the banter. No, I'll have to I'll have to ask him about that. But Father Matthew Wheeler did so. So we like him. So we like him, Father Tim. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you know what? No, <laughs> he seems like a really good guy. I've met him a couple times in person, too. He's, he is a really good guy, of course. Um, so, yeah, shout out to those dudes and any of my new LA people who listen to this podcast. Sweet. All right, folks. Um, you know, get off the podcast and uh, put on Spotify and start jamming. There you go. Yeah. Uh, this is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Uh, check us out. Uh, Father Michael also has a podcast. Yeah, What God Is Not. What God's Not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm never going to say here at the same way again. What but, God Is Not. What God Is Not. What God Is Not. You you're getting, you're, you're rising up the rankings. I know. It's great. I'll tell you what, though. The, day, the first day I announced it on this podcast, we became the most popular Catholic podcast in the world by far because all of you listeners, thank you. Yeah. All of you like downloaded all six episodes on one day. Yeah. And I literally got like direct messages and emails saying like, you're a new mover and shaker in the podcast world. And we'd love to sponsor you and all these things. I'm, getting, yes. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm like, this is, a, this is a blip. This is the Catholic stuff bump. But yeah, What God Is Not, Instagram, Facebook, 
we're, we're on of yeah. course, Apple iTunes, whatever. We're on different mediums. You we're can check us here. out. Facebook right now is like starting to have a little, uh, you know, cheeky comments about our content or whatever. So we'll see if we're really? on Facebook for a little while. Yeah, whatever. Wow. Not interested. Don't want to play ball. As you know, I'm not a huge fan of technology unless it's Weirdo Yankovic. So <laughs> check us out. Uh, Merry Christmas. Christ is born. Glorify him. Laters. <laughs>